It's Thursday. I am Nate Bauer. I am joined by Sean Fitz today. There is snow on the ground. I'm bundled up. We've got a lot of show for you. There's a mailbag to address as well as a new coaching hire. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. going on fits not much you look nice and cozy over there oh i am i am it's frigid there's snow on the ground it's miserable wake me up when it's golf season are we ready can we golf we're ready i think we're ready you mentioned a new coaching hire i think this is the third podcast i've done this week on the new coaching hire so it's like you know recent coaching hire i would say in marcus haggins uh coming to penn state really the most and only noteworthy news of the week uh, from Penn State football, of course, coach is still out on the road. They'll have a junior day this weekend. Ryan will get to uh, get to that tomorrow and preview that junior day. But we're here to talk mailbag. We're also here to talk a little bit about Haggins. And I think this is the first time you and I have gotten face to face to talk about uh, to talk about all this. So I, I guess, what are your thoughts on 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 this coming back at you? Yeah, why do I have to start? Um, you know, look, I think he's. There's a few, I have a few different jumping off points, but I'll combine them all into one. I think that when you combine the Taylor Stubblefield dismissal, right, with this hire, it is not an in-your-face, like, slam dunk. This is an over-the-top win for Penn State. I think it is a chance to be better. And so, like, that's that's the underlying philosophy here is – there were areas that were lacking with Taylor Stubblefield that that could have been better. Not to say that it was bad with Taylor Stubblefield, but th- there was an area on in in the program at in recruiting certainly as well as on the field in development where James Franklin saw an opportunity uh, that he felt to get better in the program, and he, he brought this guy in, and he he brings a lot of credentials with him that suggest, uh, you know, he he really fits the mold of what Penn State is looking for. How about you? I would agree with that. And I would say everybody that I've talked to about Haggins, like they're, they're in mourning at Virginia right now because <laughs> yeah. that's sorry. That's a terrible way to put it because of everything that happened. I'm, that, that, that was not, uh, not what I was getting at there, but because he left, because he left, he was such an integral part of that program, uh, tying the past to the present and potentially the future as well. Um, the, the fact that he's left, uh, has some people devastated. I mean, this is, yeah. I was trying to think of a parallel here at Penn state and I'm thinking Terry Smith, cause Terry obviously was a, a good player here, came back and did everything there. But like, I think this is beyond that in terms of the scale of the university of Virginia, uh, losing Marcus Haggins, just because everyone loved the dude, like just absolutely everybody that you talk to cannot say enough great things about him. And I keep going back to this when I'm thinking recruiting, when I'm thinking development, when we're thinking some of these questions in the mailbag, it's, it's Virginia. Virginia is going to play into a lot of this. He doesn't have a sparkling recruiting closing record, but he was also at the university of Virginia going against schools that would get those recruits that, you know, he wanted to get those top guys. I mentioned Cam Selden the other day, uh, Penn state was in the top three with Virginia, Tennessee and Penn state, uh, you know, with those other two schools, they ended up going to Tennessee, but Virginia was a big player. Guys like that really, really like Marcus Higgins, but maybe didn't give them a chance to close because it's the university of Virginia. Um, in terms of personality, like the more that I talk to, uh, people that have been around him, 
the better I feel about his potential to be a recruiter here and a magnetic recruiter here. And that's, uh, I think that's exciting for Penn state. And, uh, just as, uh, as a person, this is a guy that, uh, you know, doesn't come onto the market very often in terms of a personality. And, uh, I think that that's the thing to take away from this. Like these people are, I don't want to say distraught, but these people are really, really taking that breakup hard because he was so ingrained in that culture down there over yeah. multiple staffs. So I think that that's what I take away from it. And I think that that's a, a really good thing for Penn State moving forward. The results haven't been there. A lot of that because it's been Virginia on the field recruiting, things like that. But I think the potential for results, as you said, a little bit higher um, at his next stop at Penn State. And and let's be honest, the rec- the results haven't been there now, right? Like the, result, the results haven't been there previously over the last three cycles, I think is, I think that's fair, right? I mean, I I don't think that's being overly harsh. I just think it's, uh, it's very clear that there is an an opening, a window for Penn state to get better recruiting at that position, recruiting in general uh, for, from, from that position on the staff. And just like you said, I remember when Phil Troutwine came into to Penn State's program and the first time that he addressed the media, he talked about the, the difference of being able to walk into a high school with a, a Penn State logo on his chest. Right. It's, it's just if, if you have the ingredients as a person, which unanimously like everybody loves over, this dude. Exactly. Loves over, this dude. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, over, it's like overwhelming. You. We don't know why, but. They just love this dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so no, he's, he's, he's so well liked. He's so well respected. I think that there are, there is evidence of him being able to, to develop on the field, right? He's, he's had some, some guys not to the level of necessarily like Jahan Dotson, right. But, uh, not, not necessarily the level of, um, you know, Parker Washington, but, uh, give him the right ingredients, give him better prospects to begin with. And I think that there's certainly a, uh, a well-founded optimism there that he'll be able to develop that room at a position and at a time when it's like, it's very, very important. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so much wrapped into what happens at that position for the program's success over the next two years. Yeah, they need that immediately. And that's something it's really funny thinking back to the initial six hours after the hire, you know, after the the story broke on Monday morning, you felt good about his technical ability and you were were questioning his recruiting ability. The more I hear, you know, I feel fine with his recruiting ability because I think he's going to be able to relate to these guys. I think he's going to be able to have these relationships. Maybe the Taylor Stubblefield did not have. Um, And, you know, the technician part of it, you you know, that's where he's going to make his money, like right off the bat. Like he's, he's got, he's got talent in there, you know, in that room, they've got the the potential to come back and, you know, with Keandre Lambert Smith can, can, you know, he can nail down a starting job. Trey, Trey Wallace is in there. You got Malik McLean on campus for the spring. So there's, there's things to work with Caden Saunders. Um, but he's going to have to get into that. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm, I flip flopped on my feelings on this, but, you know, I think he's going to his development is going to be under scrutiny. And I don't know that his recruitment is going to or his recruiting abilities are going to be as under uh, under as much scrutiny. Excuse me. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what he can handle. Like like I said, everybody loves this dude. Like and it's it, recruiting at Penn State is different than recruiting in Virginia. And we're going to see what happens at the, uh, you know, in, in the outside. He's got his first junior day this weekend. Um, you know, we've talked to some receivers that are excited to meet him. I mean, it it, it changes your perception of doesn't maybe maybe doesn't change your perception of the school. Maybe doesn't change your perception of the 
person recruiting you, but it does, you get that combination in there and it changes things and it changes how you think about the entire product. So guys like Keelan Adams, Chance Wiggins, uh, Josiah Brown said he's excited to, you know, just guys that were on the radar before, and then he's going to bring along his own evaluations and, and we're going to see some reshuffling of that board. So I'm excited to see, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, how these things that, that everybody tells and it's unanimous. I mean, everybody is saying yeah. the same thing about this guy. Um, so I'm excited to see how that can sort of bleed over into the spring. Do, do you know, I, I, I hate to ask you a question that we haven't talked about beforehand, but do you know what his, I think he tweeted yesterday. Was it yesterday that he arrived in state college? Um, what his, you know, recruiting initial responsibilities are in terms of like, will he help um, in this kind of home stretch towards the lake? Will he be out on the road immediately? Is it has that happened yet? Yeah, as far as I know, he's out on the road. Um, and uh, Virginia is going to be, you know, the 757 area is going to be a, an area that Penn State has been slow in. And, and Ryan and I talked about this the other day. Um, it's an area that Penn State has has been slow in, but it's open right now because because uh, of a few dynamics that are at play. So he's going to get out there. He's going to get to his natural uh, recruiting grounds. I also think he offered a kid in Houston yesterday. I think it was. So like he's got, uh, you know, he's going to go out and check position recruiting in 2024 and 2025 and get some of those new offers out there. It'll be interesting to see, not necessarily for 2023, because I think it's, it's, we're kind of past that, but 2024, if he's got any guys that are his guys, I mean, we, we saw this, when Stubblefield came into the program, we saw this when, when all the receivers coaches came into the program, guys that they evaluated their prior stops and says, hey, this kid might be better than we think uh, or than, than you thought eventually or, or originally, and I've seen him in person, et cetera. So um, yeah. that's what I'm looking for in the next couple of days and weeks is is are there guys that uh, sort of go beyond the overlap of the Wiggins and the Keelan Adams and, and guys like that? Yep. Uh, my understanding is that we, the media should be able to speak to him. He'll have a press conference, be part of a press conference of, of some variety, uh, over the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to the mailbag. Let's, uh, let's get into the questions from, uh, from this week's fans. I got left off the graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. next time. Next, next time. Maybe next time. I'll get there. This is atypical. We're we're uh, we're we're switching it up. This is our first mailbag. So let's uh, let's dive right in. And I know that we have a question from Apple Podcasts, which is where we are really encouraging uh, people who are listening, who are watching, to to submit questions to the mailbag each week. It doesn't have to be on Wednesday before Thursday show. Uh, it can be any time of the week. Just leave a five star review for us. Uh, ask a question and we will very much try to make sure that that question is a part of uh, the next mailbag show that we have. So and we are uh, also, we are also doing uh, questions from the board as well. So, but anyway, go of on. course, go, go. Yeah. of course, of course it goes without saying that uh, our, you our would think, yes. Board. <laughs> <laughs> so in any case, uh question from a Hinton, eight, eight, one, one, uh, he said, uh, I know how CJF is, but did anyone get an update on Jalen Reed's injury and time frame for a return? Wondering if he will be a go for spring. Uh, Jalen obviously left the Rose Bowl early uh, with an injury. And after the fact, uh, what was it, a week or two, had uh, a photo on his social media, Instagram, Twitter, what have you, of him 
in a recovery room <laughs> ostensibly. So we know, we know that he had uh, some work done there. What, uh, what do you got for us there, Fitz? Arm in a sling, uh, you know, look like a shoulder. So that's not great for a safety. Um, that's going to take some time. And, and I think it's not necessarily the, the spring that you're looking to here, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but the, uh, the winter workouts that he's going to have to miss because of that. Um, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do without an arm essentially. Um, yeah. so we will, uh, definitely uh, right now, I'm not really expecting a ton from him. And then when you get back into it, you know, even less contact, you know, cause, cause of the position, because of the, the fact that you don't have to run a guy out there for spring, uh, cause you go zero and zero in spring. So, um, that's going to open some things up for guys like Zaki Wheatley, um, KJ Winston, who I'm excited to see. Um, so they, they've got, they've got guys that they can throw in there. You would have liked to see what Reed could do, um, you know, as uh, potentially starting alongside of Keaton Ellis, but uh, safety seems like a position that they've grown into in terms of depth and they've grown into in terms of talent. I, I, I like where they're at with the safety room. So you don't a- absolutely need um, Jalen Reed to be back there. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, I think it's kind of tough for him because you look at him as that early initial contributor right out of that class he was he was the guy who was on the field early and they had you know special packages for him um second, very clearly second in, the team in, second in the team in snaps last year at at safety even though he wasn't a full-time starter so yeah. like they want to play Jalen Reed I was curious to see if he would eventually move down and play the Sam because looking at his high school film that's kind of what he did he played a rover he was all over the field and played the run very well um but it seems like safety is is the spot that he's settled in so um, but, you know, Penn State plays three safeties a lot. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in a Sam type role. Of course, uh, with Curtis Jacobs coming back, you've got uh, the ability to have a full time guy right there and sort of adjust the way that you play with two linebacker packages and, and the packages that they're able to play. So um, in terms of the spring, not the most vital to have him out there. I'm sure he'll be out there, but uh, they're not going to run him around and, and have him thrown shoulders at anybody. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's always, it's always a silver lining situation, right? Where you have uh, the, the, uh, a guy who you're comfortable with to begin with uh, maybe isn't able to participate, but it opens up more reps, more opportunities for, for guys who can certainly use the development as well. Uh, let's go to the message board. We uh, are our reliable trusty Beaverman 72 brings us a question in the linebacker room. Uh, two questions. Will Curtis Jacobs move back to Sam or remain at the will or excuse me in the box how does keon wiley fit into the picture uh he's assuming will you know checked in with some people about this uh, about a week or two ago and right now given how successful they were with abdul carter at the will and curtis jacobs at the sam you know i would i would expect that to stick Jacob is so much more comfortable with the Sam. Like there's no question whatsoever. The only thing would be is like that is your base defense or when you, you know, when you go to a two linebacker set, they like to keep the mic out there and they like to keep the uh, will out there and take the Sam off the field at a safety at another corner or what have you. So, um, you know, traditionally you would probably see Abdul Carter as a mic and uh, Curtis Jacobs as a Sam, but given the, the off season they have to work with it, given that Manny Diaz knows his personnel, like I would expect, Carter to be a Will and uh, Jacobs to be a Sam, and you feel pretty good about that tandem right there. And like I said, they they can work around this. They can they can make it like w- when we were talking in September about them trying to get these two on the field at the same time. It was they didn't have the time to work on it. They didn't have the time to put, especially for Abdul, who was just a freshman trying to soak everything in. They didn't have the time to make that one work. You've got an off season to make that one work, and and this is I think clearly 
how your defense functions at its highest point. So uh, I'm expecting him to be back at the Sam, but that's a conversation that they're going to have all off season. Uh, and I'm excited to see how they use those guys. Cause you put that kind of speed and that kind of talent on the outside. You've got some good things happen. I know there's questions about Mike, you know, everybody wants to talk about replacing Tyler Elston and Kobe King before they can take another snap and sending them off to the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. But like, that's what I'm expecting right now is expect those two guys to be back in the middle. You know, if, if Fitz tried to make, what's that? Don't step on the next question. You're, no. you're killing me. Um, yeah. Okay. So Keon Wiley uh, played Mike this year. Uh, he's got to get bigger. Uh, there's no question about it, but he did some nice things this year. Um, you know, he, he had the sack in the Rose bowl. He got there and played Mike. Um, so he's a box guy. Um, whether you can, you want to pin him into as a Mike or as a will, I don't know, to be honest with you, seeing what he did in high school as essentially an edge rusher, I would lean will at this, in, in this, uh, in this instance, but he's got a long way to go in terms of, of putting on size and getting there. Um, and he's not, I mean, he's not your traditional, six foot two, 235 pound Mike. Like he's a different kind of Mike. So that's why I would lean to will, but he played Mike this year and he played it pretty well in the scout team. Yeah. And, and it brings into focus that like reminder, Abdul Carter is the anomaly here, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> like the guy, the guy that's able to get on the field uh, and do the type of things and be ready at the level that he was, is not typical. And probably the expectation should be reasonable and adjusted for everyone else based on that all people yeah all people in the all Michael Parsons uh Abdul <laughs> Carter yeah I mean that he just kind of blew that one up and he like he came in I remember talking to people in August actually it was probably before August talking about that potential spot and I'm like so Budden and they're like no like it's gonna be Abdul Carter and he's gonna make a run and like I don't want to say it's a log jam but you had Jacobs and 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 Carter there and you had to figure out a way to get both those guys on the field they eventually did it. And I will say this too, Carter's got some, got a ways to go, like in terms sure. of uh, figuring out what he needs to do to be, to play it as most efficient. He's got some things to, to work on, but there's just so much to work with that. It's really exciting to see him in an off season, him develop and him, you know, get where he needs to get as an athlete. Uh, because I mean, that's a, that's a first round pick right there. That's a, that's a sky's the limit type guy as, as a linebacker. Yep. Let's stay, let's stay in the position and uh, go where you were going anyway. RMW5591 asks, what's our confidence level at Mike Linebacker at this point? Is there any chance we could be looking to the portal next spring for an addition here? And I, by next spring, I assume he means uh, it, May, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't seem like we were looking at all in the previous transfer portal window, yet this seems to be a position where the team could use some help. What say you? Yeah, I doubt they bring in a transfer. Like you've got a lot of numbers. You've replenished those numbers very well. Um, and you've got two guys coming back, one that was a full-time starter and one that you could pr potentially label as a starter in Kobe King. Um, I, I understand the the consternation here because those guys both have to get better. Um, I think they will. You know, they're, they're, there's always that thing that we forget about that guys improve over their career um, or they'll be replaced. So, um, I don't, I don't think it comes through the transfer portal. And to, to be honest with you, you're not going to be able to sell a transfer portal spot. I mean, I know what Omar Spates went in from, uh, Oregon state a couple of weeks ago, kid originally from Philly. That wasn't happening. Like that was not realistic. You can't look at this group and say, there are three starters coming back. Like, and you're not going to bring in a starting caliber middle linebacker. It's just not how it works. So, yeah. Um, yep. that's my, that's my, that's my piece with that. Those guys have to get better. 
absolutely have to get better. Um, and but but I don't think you're you're going to find a replacement off of the roster right now. Yeah, I, I think that it's what's lost in the conversation is, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but they did get better. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't think that there was really any doubt or any question that from two seasons ago to, to this past season, there, there was improvement there. Tyler Elsden was in position to, to make plays. Uh, they didn't always happen. Right. I mean, certain, like it, when you miss a tackle, it becomes glaring. It just, it sticks in people's minds. And I think that that's the one thing that, that stands out to me after the season is people, people uh, immediately kind of harp on, those missed opportunities, but there, there was other steady, solid play there. I, I, I don't think that Penn State's coaching staff was bl- blowing smoke really all season talking about how Kobe King was settling in, how he was starting to get it, how, how Tyler Elsden uh, continued to take some strides. So, you know, give him another offseason, see what so, happens. So two plays this year, and this is, the, the, this is it. This is basically it with Tyler Elsden. The crossing route against Purdue in the season opener, you know, like he got, mm-hmm. he got burnt. He's not a fast guy. Um, he's not a guy that you want covering a crossing route. He got burnt and people overreacted to that in the Rose bowl, that touchdown where he bounced right off of the running back that yeah. the, and, and these are, these are problems. I think these, this is where he needs to get better. No doubt wrapping up. I know he's, he doesn't have the longest arms, all, all that stuff, but you bookend your season with that play against Purdue and that play against Utah. And you're going to leave people with a bad taste in your mouth because you, you think that, that entire 13 game stretch. That's what he did. And that's not really what he did now again for the 50th time, because I don't want my words twisted. He needs to get better. He needs to get faster. He needs to get uh, more uh, fundamentally sound in his tackling. And he needs to bring those guys down. As you mentioned, he was in position to do a lot of that stuff. Being in position is great. Finishing the play is, is what you really need. Kobe King. I think we, we did see like visual progress with Kobe King. Like, no doubt. And he, you know, it it might be a little bit uh, shorter in terms of like the athletic uh, potential and things like that. And he's, a, you know, he's a small guy. And, and unfortunately for Kobe, like his brother playing lights out does not do great things for him in terms of like this perception that people have about him. So, again, both those guys need to get better. Um, but I don't think it's this black hole that that Penn State fans want to uh, focus on. And, and to be honest with you, uh, Mike. The importance of a Mike linebacker, while it's there, is not as important as a lot of other, those other pieces on that defense. Yep. Not, not to mention the fact that the two guys that you talked about previously uh, in, in Carter and Curtis Jacobs change the dynamic. They take stress off. They take It, it should change what uh, how, how those guys feel about their place in the defense. It, it shouldn't be uh, quite as stressful as I think that it was at times for them coming into the season just you know and it's funny because i mean here we are on january 26th and we're gonna end up talking about this for the next eight months the same way that we talked about john sutherland right and it, it will be fine penn state fans it will be fine next question next question. and i would like Lions to see 20... carter at the mic but that's just me but <laughs> and maybe it will maybe it will uh plenty of time to figure that out lines 22 asks is there a balancing act in taking transfer portal players in the past month when a better player could become available in the spring, or does that become a plus one scenario? Let's start there. It is a balancing act in that you want to get guys in, especially for spring practice, to get them into your program, to assimilate to what you're trying to do. Um, you can't rely on the spring window. Like it, it, Chop Robinson, amazing addition last spring. 
Um, but like, you know, that's a, that, that, that's one that fell into Penn state's lap. You know, the, the, there will be talented guys out there, but the market is still the same size and the, uh, you know, the demand is going to be even higher. So you can't wait to hang around for that. And, you know, to be honest with you with, with Dante Cephas, you know, that's, that's one thing where you wanted one of your top targets and you, you had to do what you had to do to make it happen. Sending him back to Kent state in the spring is, is, is one of those things, but balancing act. Absolutely. Um, you can't just shut down certain positions and say, well, maybe something will come. I mean, they were, uh, going after receivers till the end. They were going after defensive tackles till the end. Um, you know, still looking at, at, at other positions as well, running back, cornerback, offensive line, all that stuff. And you can't really do anything but hope and back channel, you know, uh, before, uh, before the spring is there. So, um, that's kind of where you're at with that. Um, take who you can get now, because these are the guys that are going to go through your spring practice, go through your winter workouts, go, you know, get into get ingrained in that program and then yep. treat the may window as something where you're, you know, essentially a plus one, as this guy said, it was a good question. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he, he has a second question about Jordan Bass being ranked 48th overall in the country and whether or not there had been interest between Penn State and him. He actually visited this time last year uh, for a junior day. Uh, came up uh, a great looking kid. Um, it kind of fills the same uh, role that they were looking for Kevion Keys. So I think they prioritize Keys. Bass went out and had a ridiculous senior year. Um, and he's got track times to back it up. He's a really good prospect, really good prospect. Charles Power absolutely loves this kid. Um, great size, great speed, very productive. I think he had like 33 touchdowns this year or something like that. So um, that was an evaluation that uh, Penn State decided to go uh, in, a, in a different direction. But Jordan Bass can play as a, as a really good, really good player. And you'll have these guys. I mean, you'll 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 have a bunch yep. of these guys that pop up and, you know, will will he turn that into production at the next level? We'll, we'll see. But you can say that about all these guys in this class. But he was on campus last year for a junior day in the last uh, in, in late January. So Penn State had interest. They offered and they just didn't really ramp it up as much as you would think for a guy that ended up 48th in the country. And and. I mean, he was a three-star at that point. Like yep. it, it wasn't, nobody was really clamoring for Jordan Bass to be in Penn State's class. And, uh, you know, it, how do I say this? I sound like a jerk. Uh, he landed at Pitt. He didn't land at Alabama. He didn't land at Clemson. You know, he didn't land at some of these other, you know, big time schools. Um, so Pitt, which does an amazing job evaluating, which does an amazing job developing guys. Um, you're going to see what, uh, what he has to work with uh, out there. Yeah. It, it happens, right? You see guys yeah. that, Take off in their senior year. Uh, next question. So Sean Joseph asks, what is the level of optimism staying in the transfer portal? Uh, what's the level of optimism that a defensive tackle who could meaningfully contribute, particularly in a space and block eating role, will be available in the spring portal? That's going to be tough. I mean, <laughs> you're you're sort of out there with this whole like holding out hope, I guess you would say, um, you know, the, the potential is there, but you look at where those guys that will come in after that portal. I mean, maybe you're waiting for a guy to graduate. Maybe you're waiting for a guy like that. Uh, it's going to be very tough because defensive tackles are hard to find at every level. And that includes the portal. Um, so I don't feel great about it, but we've seen times that has happened like chop Robinson last year. You wouldn't have expect him uh, to, to surface and ultimately go to Penn state, become a player right away. So, um, man, it's got that, that would be a tough one, but, uh, never say never, but just be hope or just try to try to be hopeful, I guess. It's, it's one of those situations, right? Where if a guy is, or his camp 
right, is sniffing around and Penn State gets wind of it and he is a take, like a very obvious fit, then, as you said, you back channel it. Like, you you figure it out. that That's how that works. But un- until that happens, I mean, what are, like, what are we talking about? They're not going to cross their fingers that, in any case, it doesn't the, matter. The, there's um, going to be more talent in the winter cycle of the portal than in the spring, just because, number one, it's a smaller window. And number two, guys want to be there for the spring semester. I mean, that, that is what it is. So if you get a defensive tackle you probably got lucky like one that can play and right away. I mean, not a, not a guy that you're stashing for rotational purposes. Now Penn state needs to figure that out for not only 2023, maybe not as much 2023, but more so 2024. Next question. Poncho 570 earns our favorite question of the week. Respect and thanks to all the other people who ask questions, but uh, this is a particularly good one. Who is a veteran and younger player that you're really interested in getting coached up by coach Higgins and does he have a certain body type he looks for in his receivers or should we expect the same approach in the recruiting of the position the best body type for a wide receiver are the ones that the best players are that doesn't I mean he could be 64 he could be 510 does does not matter like and this is this is something that that extends to like you don't have to have a guy that's 64 and a, you don't have to have a guy that's six four on the outside, and a guy that's five nine in the slot. You don't have to have complementary pieces. The best complementary pieces are a good player on the outside, a good player on the other side, and a good player in the slot. Like doesn't matter what size they are. Penn State's been successful with tall receivers. They've been re- successful. I mean, they three of the best Parker receivers Washington. in history played together as Smurfs. You know, so yep. that's kind of where I feel about size. And I will say this: being at the University of Virginia took what he could get and did with did with what he got um you know so that that's where i would say in terms of like i'm sure he's he's got certain body types that he looks for but like body types are the best players you know that's yeah. <laughs> like it's uh yeah. you know alan robinson's a great body type but also deon butler is a great body type you know the just guys that can play chris godwin amazing body type you know the, these guys are what you're looking for and it doesn't matter if they're six four it doesn't matter if they're five nine whatever um, beyond that, the question that we really liked, who's a veteran and a younger player that, uh, you're really interested in getting coached up by Hagans to me, Keandre Lambert Smith, top of the list, like no question whatsoever, like no brainer. Um, like maybe he expected us to go deeper on this one, but Keandre has a lot of the qualities that make him a potential, you know, like the, the potential next draft pick for Penn state in that room right now. Um, but he's got some things he needs to work through. And I think that, you know, being around a guy like Higgins, a guy that he knows and trusts from his recruitment can, can help bring that out of him um, because he's a tremendously talented kid. I don't, I don't think there's anyone particularly close. I think could probably go with Malik mega here, but uh, Keandre Lambert Smith is a guy that uh, is just a, a really a, an, an easy, easy answer there to this one. Yeah. And, and certainly younger players. I mean, Omari Evans, Trey Wallace, both probably fit that bill uh, of guys who have flashed and shown some things that get, particularly maybe Omari, right. Uh, just give him the opportunity to, to get a, a, a full, um, you know, another, another winter workout, another spring practice in the books and uh, acclimate to that position uh, a, a little bit better. I think, uh, you know, could, could, could be a, a, a good stride for him this off season. Uh, moving on. Uh, no, we're not moving on yet. Uh, Caden Saunders is my young guy. Uh, I, I want to go old and young. Caden Saunders is 
to me has the potential to take that next step to get onto the field next year. And I'm interested to see how that development goes. And which is, it's funny because I, I left you wide open from a league mega. I thought you were going to make the argument that maybe this is the, this is where the light <laughs> turns on. And you know, hey, he, he has tried, right? Like he's the guy can, special he, teams. He, yeah. exactly. Like he's still, he's still uh, an active part of the team, an active part of the program and provides value. So I will never uh, dump on Malik mega. No, no, I'd, I'd love to see it because like everybody that we talked to in the program for the last year and a half is like, if this guy puts it together, he is something special. He hasn't, unfortunately, but he's going to have the opportunity with a new coach to sort of reset that mindset. And maybe, sure. maybe something clicks there. I don't know if it does. I'd be really tickled to see what kind of, you know, the, the, these practice plays and things like that coming out, but he's got to catch the ball. So maybe a fresh start is what he needs there. Kate, Kate, I'm sorry, I cut you off on Caden. What? No, you don't. You really didn't. Um, oh, okay. no, I just, I'm, I'm excited to see what Caden can bring to the table. Um, you know, moving guys around. Does, does he play behind Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot, or does Keandre stay outside? Of course, uh, not having Cephas here for the spring uh, kind of changes some things on how you can do some rotations. But uh, that's something that's on Marcus Higgins's plate, and we'll see uh, if he can work that out. Gotcha. Okay. Next question. Penn State, 2012. Out of the wide receivers in the room currently, who is this winter and spring most important for? Let's. I, I didn't realize. We're carrying on the conversation. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I've got, I've got Keandre Lambert-Smith and I've got Caden Saunders. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a different version of the same question um, because, I, I mean, I think it's – I think it's pretty obvious they need somebody to step up now this is the window that they are hoping where they can compete for a national championship with a quarterback yeah. with a running back with a running game tight ends you've got all these pieces receivers so important you need uh you know you you want to go into a uh the 2023 season feeling good about your two deep um and right now do, do they have a two deep i'm not sure uh yeah and let's let's uh let's pull back the curtain here a little bit uh like it's not one it's the whole room <laughs> Right. right, like the, this offseason, it they don't care who it comes from, right? It's not it's not as though the coaching staff is is looking and saying, "Hey, this is the guy that has to come through." It's, "Hey, every single one of these guys has to take significant strides," right? Like they have to dial in, buckle down, do do all of the things to to get there. Um, and really, they will take anybody who is able and willing. To, to make that effort and and step up uh, to the forefront and make plays for them on a consistent basis. Like that's it. Make plays. Yeah. Score points, right? Uh, score points. No, it's, it's a fresh slate. Like this is, this is an opportunity for not only uh, you know, Penn state to reset its, its receiver room, but these receivers to, you know, maybe they weren't in favor of, you know, maybe they weren't in the, the you know, in the plans for Taylor Stubblefield. They can work their way into the plans for for Marcus Higgins. We'll see what happens. And you remember, Mike Yurcich is hanging all all over this. Like this is the yeah, guy that you know. You talked to him after the Rose Bowl. It seems like he's very hands on with these receivers. It seems like he has particular plans, and we're going to see uh, how that that all meshes together. He he, Mike Yurcich is uh, call him Doctor Yurcich uh, this off season. He is the shrink of the room. Uh, moving on, Psych him asks this is a long one uh if you were penn state's special teams coach knowing the depth at running back let's just boil this down uh knowing the depth at running back isn't huge is would you look somewhere else would you look somewhere else for punt and kick return uh to avoid injury for those two guys 
I would, but you make a very good point on this. So I'm actually just going to throw it right back to you in terms of uh, how important the kick return is right uh, these days. Not important. Not important. It's, I mean, it's good when it happens. And certainly uh, Nick Singleton's touchdown against Rutgers was something James Franklin said afterward they had really worked hard on. Like you're working very, very hard for that one opportunity to hit, but the opportunities to hit are so few and far between that it's just, you're, you're okay. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I, I would be, I think I would be surprised if Penn State ended up going, like tried to protect those two guys. I don't think that they feel that way. Singleton ended with 14 kickoff returns for the season, right? So that's over 13 games. He had 14 kickoff returns. One of them was for a touchdown. Uh, if you can hit on that rate of one out of every 14, you get into the end zone. Uh, I think Penn State would, would take that chance, right? For whatever the level is of him getting hurt. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just not, you're, you're willing to, you're, you're willing to make that, uh, that exchange because frankly, yes. Is there like data and statistics backing up the fact that kick return is more dangerous than other plays? Yes. Is it so significant to as like totally wipe it from the game? No, it's not. And so, yeah, I would expect him to continue to do that. I would think so too. There's the, uh, be interested to see what they would throw else, uh, what else they would throw out there. Some guys that have had some success, uh, King Mac coming in, you know, he's a dynamic player with the ball in his hands, even though he's a safety. And it's really funny because like all the King Mac comparisons are Daquan Hardy and Daquan Hardy got put back there. And I was so excited to see what he could do. Cause he was so dynamic as a high school player. And I think he fumbled his first one. So, uh, that's, <laughs> You know, that's kind of where we're at with uh, with kickoff. But you, you're right. I mean, 14 returns for Nick Singleton in 13 games, just over one per game, 20 total returns for Penn State. They'll, they'll take the yardage. They'll take the fair catch. You know, a lot of these kickers booming out of the end zone anyway, but they'll take the fair catch and take the ball at the 25 because it does not pin them back at their own 14. You know, there's the, yeah. the, there's analytics that say that the, the the fair catch moving up five yards, while it doesn't seem like much, is a big deal. So, I'll be interested to see what uh, Stacy Collins does decide to do here. They've got options there. Uh, you mentioned Saunders. You mentioned uh, uh, Omari Evans. Um, but a kick return, I don't think they shy away from from putting Singleton back there, just like they didn't shy away from putting Saquon Barkley back there. I know it's different special teams coordinators, but like, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's. I, I'm not going to say you're never going to get hurt on a kickoff, but like, doesn't really change the math all that much. Yeah, I mean, when you have a Gerald Hodges that can return kicks, you go with it. That's, my That's pretty good. Thank That's you. pretty good. Thank you. I was uh, I was so excited to see that too. Just <laughs> oh man, but and you know. he did it well in high school. I defended that. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, stay stay with the running back decision. Of course, you defended it. Oh, whoa, easy. Anyway, anyway, uh, HBG Lion. Stays with the running backs with just three scholarship running backs. I mean, how quickly things change in, in yeah. that room, right? From five to, to three now, uh, which I don't, I don't know if that's accurate, right? It would be four. It'll, it'll be four. Yeah. I mean, London yeah. Montgomery, like, is he ready to go by the, the fall? I don't know. But because uh, he's coming off a knee surgery and things like that. But yeah, it's 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 going to be tough. I mean, they just have two for the spring. So with Tank and see- Tyler Holdsworth holding it down. Yeah. Do you, do you see potential for a position change to have someone come in and bolster that room? 
I really don't. Um, those guys are so much more talented than anybody that you could throw back there in, in a, I mean, this is a video game move, right? Just take a, a fast linebacker or safety like that and, and put him in the backfield and see if his attributes change or whatever. Um, because I mean, it, and James didn't, didn't really do himself a service here by saying that Tony Rojas could play running back here. I, I just, I don't think Tony Rojas could play running back here. He's a great running back, great athlete, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But to understand yeah. where Penn State's running backs are from a talent perspective, like, like he's nowhere close to Nick Singleton or Catron Allen. And to be on to go on top of that, it's not like you're switching a guy that's going to start or play a lot. You know, you basically you would have to switch a guy in for an emergency process. And uh, you know, with with running back, the position, um, the way that it goes, uh, I I just don't I don't see that as a as a potential option. Uh, you got Cam Wallace coming in who, you know, has to bulk up a little bit, but is a talented player. And he's a, there's a reason you spent a scholarship on this guy. You know, there's a reason you spent a scholarship on London Montgomery. These guys are more talented than, you know, the, the, the guys that you would probably switch over there. Doesn't mean you couldn't use a guy in a different situation. Like I would have loved to see Parker Washington, like in the backfield, like yep. not so much as an every down running back, but a guy that you move around a guy that you can, you know, use his, frame for and 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 basically keep the defense off balance but as far as full-time goes i know it's going to be thin i know it's going to be tough to uh to to go through every week and hope those guys come out healthy but uh it's i I don't think there's a another potential option and and again that spring window in the portal they're going to be looking for running back um i don't know if they're going to get one i don't know if that because that's it that's that's a tough sell right there to say hey we got these two studs that are just sophomores do you want to come in as a senior and be a third third running back that's gonna be tough yeah. And, and to just my two cents, uh, if Nick Singleton or Catron Allen got hurt this year, they were in massive trouble, right? right? Like there's, there's always a break glass in case of emergency, but the reality is you're, you're going with your guys and your guys are those two. I mean, they will receive the overwhelming majority of non-garbage time right. carries for Penn state next season. And Nick, Nick is garbage, uh, garage strong. So we'll be good. Gatorade. Uh, ZAK4 has two questions for you, no questions for me, which is great because I couldn't answer these. What are the chances of Penn State landing a top 10 class again in 2024? What has to go right? And who are the kids that Penn State has to land? Who will be big in helping land a top 10 class? That's going to be tough. Um, I, you know, they've been in that 10 to 15 range. I think they're 15 right now in the 2023 class. Um, so in 2024, you're looking at a couple of positions. You're going to have to bring in, you know, a, a bigger group of wideouts, especially with a new position coach. They usually get, an, uh, you know, a nice little uh, boost in terms of how many guys they can bring in. And then on the defensive line, and that's been an issue for John Scott in terms of bringing in, uh, you know, big like these big time guys, like he's, he's gotten some guys that can play. Um, but he's, he's had an issue bringing in big time guys. And I think that if you're going to use maybe five or six spots of your recruiting class on the defensive line, you want some big time guys in there. And that's going to take, that's going to comprise a big part of your ranking. You know, those, those two positions right there. Um, offensive line of course is always in there. Um, in terms of like getting into the top 10, you, you do that via, five-star guys studs and you know is Penn State in a tremendous spot for any of those guys right now it's it's hard to say and and those evaluations will be ongoing on the the star side of things but uh just looking at it right now it's going to be tough for Penn State to get in that top 10 especially with the 2024 class being 
fairly chaotic in terms of NIL, like not so much in that one school will do so much better than everybody. It's just that nobody knows, like nobody knows how this is going to go and how, how big of a factor this is going to be. So um, I think, I think they've got the opportunity for a good class. There's, you know, certain positions in the region that are strong. There's certain positions they're going to have to go to Florida for there are certain positions they are going to, you know, go back to Alabama for Georgia for, you know, they've offered some guys in Texas. So, um, you know, as you continue to get to get nationally or go national, you would have to uh, figure all that stuff out. I'll be interested in the offensive line group. Um, of course, you've got some guys that you feel good about. Your Kevin Haywoods, um, you know, you, William Satterwhite was on campus the other day, uh, and you feel pretty good about where you stand with him. Um, but you know, you've got the the fact that a lot of these guys are coming from Ohio. Ben Roebuck's coming in this weekend. The Armstrong twins. Well, Roebuck, you know, you've you would think that Michigan feels pretty good about where they stand right now. And then the Armstrong twins just picked up Ohio state offers like the Ohio state cloud looming over those Ohio prospects is, is huge in terms of these bulk positions where you have to take five or six guys. You got cool. everybody got that. It's yeah, <laughs> really good. That's really, really good. Thought, really thought you would bring a little bit more to the table. Uh, uh, NIL is really important. If you have more money then you can buy better players. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what don't shake your head it's true it's reality I'm not, shaking, I'm not shaking my head at that it's just uh yeah no i mean yeah. it's a it, it'll it'll come down to a few different positions um and uh you know they need to improve like they need to improve on their rec receiver recruiting they got one last year they need to recruit yep. uh, improve on their defensive line recruiting they got one defensive tackle you know that that that's where it's going to come into play for a top 10 class you got to hit at those positions especially when How that's going to like those two positions are going to make up 40% of your class. So how, we'll how about, how about this? How about this to let me, I'll, I'll compliment the question. Is anybody that Penn state is good with right now, a four star who has the potential to rise? Like it, like could, could Penn state sneak in that way by having guys who they already have outstanding relationships with that just blow up? I mean, you've got, see, that's kind of how Penn state has done it before. Like, with, I mean, Javen, right? Yeah. Javen, Drew Aller. Drew Aller. Right? Yeah. These guys. Nick Singleton. Yeah. Those guys go from three-star, low four-star, whatever, um, to uh, to eventually th the top. I mean, Nick Singleton was always pretty high. But, yeah, you've got guys like that, uh, like Jalen Harvey, like I think can be a really, really good prospect. 269 in the, uh, in the consensus right now, but he's – you know, I think he can move up because he's a really good player. Um, but uh, that's what you got to do if you're Penn State. You got to get in there early. You've got to uh, get these get these guys. Sorry, I'm going through the target board right here. Liam Andrews, I think, could be a key player for Penn State. Um, kind of on that borderline between is he an interior guy, is a tackle. So that might, you know, change Notre Dame's perception of him. That might change Ohio State's perception of him. And, and if you're Penn State, you would jump at any any chance to get Liam Andrews. So just guys like that, that, that continue to be on that upward trajectory. And that's kind of where we're at in the cycle right now is that you've seen a bunch of guys that like held held offers when they were freshmen. Maybe they don't have that option anymore. Like you, you're trying to get guys on the ascent. And I think Penn state's done a pretty good job at that in the last couple of cycles. I redeemed myself. I asked a recruiter sort of, question. Yeah. 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 That's all we're going for here. Uh, Fitz, that's all we got on the mailbag. That's all I got for you. That's all I have to, to possibly talk about uh, outside of basketball, which we can talk about. I'm just yeah, kidding. look at the time. Got to go. Okay. <laughs> in, any, in any case, please, if you are watching this on YouTube uh, and haven't already liked the video, 
uh, subscribe to our channel, get the notifications so that it just pops up on your YouTube feed and, and it all is fed right to you, pumped into your veins. Uh, if you have not already subscribed to our podcast offerings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we are there. Rate, review, it all helps us. Like I said at the beginning, uh, if you want to ask a question every week for the mailbag, you have the opportunity to do so there. We see those reviews. Uh, we appreciate five-star reviews, uh, and we will answer those questions. Uh, subscribe. Blue White Illustrated. Until next September. That's it. I'm Nate. He's Sean. This is Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition.